Today's guest is Dr. Shruti Shah in India, who runs a non-profit for cancer research in homeopathy as well as a homeopathy cancer clinic. She has written and presented several research papers in international journals and conferences regarding the scope of homeopathy in the treatment of cancer. Recently, Shruti wrote a book called Cracking the Codes of Breast Cancer and Homeopathy, which includes an in-depth study of more than 75 breast cancer remedies and their integration within modern medicine, phytochemistry, and molecular biology. Shruti has treated more than 2,000 cancer patients with homeopathy so far, and her online and offline practice is centered around oncology. You can find out more about Shruti's work and to book a consultation at www.shruti.com. DrShrutiShah.com. That's D-R-S-H-R-U-T-I-S-H-A-H.com. Enjoy the episode. Welcome to the Homeopathy Hangout, where we discuss all things homeopathy from around the world. And now my mum and your host, Eugenie Kruger. Hello, homies, and a very warm welcome to Homeopathy Hangout. Today, we get to speak with Dr. Shruti Shah in India. Welcome, Shruti. Thank you, Eugenie. It's lovely to have you on today. I always love having the Indian homeopaths on because your practices are so different to what we have here in Australia and actually probably most of the world. You get to see so many people and treat so many conditions that we're not even allowed to treat over here. So I love learning from you. But can you tell us, Shruti, how were you first introduced to homeopathy? Actually, I was very much interested in medical science and especially how to find solution for different conditions. So I took my admission into pharmacy course and I was studying pharmacology there. But somehow when I was studying pharmacy and pharmacology, I felt this treating humans with this synthetic factory made chemicals very wrong itself. So when I was young a student, when I was attending college and classes, something was paining me deeply when I learned to study pharmacology, though it is a wonderful science. And tears used to come out from my eyes that what I am doing here, this is not what I want. This cannot give a permanent solution. And in our textbook of pharmacology, which is written by Dr. Satoshkar, on the first minute, there is a mention of Dr. Hahnemann in homeopathy. So somehow it appealed me and I looked into homeopathy literature and I read about Dr. Hahnemann. And then it felt to me that this is what I'm looking for. Here lies my treasure. So after studying one year of pharmacy and pharmacology, I switched to homeopathy. Oh, that's amazing. And how cool that Hahnemann was in a pharmacology textbook. But I guess in India, they look at things a bit more holistically. Hey, you have your ministry of Ayush that you have over there and people are more open to natural medicines, I guess. So it makes yes. makes sense. Now, you have a special interest in cancer, which is wonderful because I feel like there is a pandemic of cancer, especially the last couple of years. It feels like it's just popping up everywhere and it's just getting worse and worse. So it's wonderful that people like you are doing so much work to help patients with cancer. But what made you particularly interested in this field? There are two answers to this question. One, that somehow I knew as a child that I would be doing cancer research. When you are a child, someone wants to be an astronaut, someone wants to be a doctor or a racer. Somehow, without any thought, I knew that I want to be a cancer researcher. So this was there inbuilt in me. But then I forgot along the course of time because practicing homeopathy is a huge challenge. Mastering it is even a bigger challenge. 
So I lost my dream and I was very happy with homeopathy and my practice. But one day, one of very close relatives of mine came to me with a complaint that she has having dysphagia and she is not able to gulp the food and liquid well. So I took her to a physician and she was diagnosed to have a malignancy of esophagus. Mm-hmm. And the doctor told me she has barely six months life span. So I was very much emotionally attached to her and she was advised to have order of investigations for confirmation and all. Meanwhile, as I was very much interested into homeopathy and I had some genuine interest in cancer. So I used to keep reading that Epis Malefica is for breast cancer, Candirango is for esophageal cancer. So I was thinking if this many medicines, these many remedies are given for cancer with so much authenticity and with precision. Why is it still not available or why is it not so successful? So I thought till till when the investigations don't come, let me try homeopathy. So I took her case and I gave her conayam. I started the treatment with conayam. This was my first cancer case and this was First time I used something for cancer. Mm -hmm. And to my surprise, within 10 days, she could eat well. She put on 5 kg weight because she was continuously losing weight. It was not very smooth, but every day when I go back to home, she will happily tell me, today I ate two bread, today I had a good... So I was very happy. After 15 days, she was really doing good. And then her investigations and everything came positive. Her brother was a medical doctor. So immediately he called her to the to start the treatment with allopathy like radiation, chemotherapy and all because they had no trust in homeopathy. She was, I was doubtful. So she said me goodbye. We walked to the bus station together and I dropped her for the cancer treatment. But what happened? As soon as she started allopathy, right? Uh, she lost her voice because of radiation mm-hmm. and chemotherapy. I could never talk to her. And within one month, she passed away. Aww. So I thought she would have been really been much better if she would have continued mm-hmm. homeopathy. And better quality of whatever, life. Yeah. yeah. And whatever was being offered to her in, in the name of treatment, mm-hmm. like chemotherapy, radiation, I doubted that it helped her or it really damaged her. Mm. So I thought if the current treatment is not so very effective, has lots of side effects, because during one month, what I witnessed that she was having side effects. Otherwise, when we departed, she was very healthy. She was putting on weight. She started eating. So there was a happiness and I was very much emotionally involved with her. So I felt very bad. And next, within two months, one more old client of mine came to me. She had breast cancer and she requested me that I have taken all the treatment. Even she had to sell off her jewelry and home to get herself treated. And doctors have said there is no hope for me. And can you do something with homeopathy? And I really tried, but I couldn't because it was so far advanced case with lots of side effects Mm -hmm. but these two cases happened simultaneous and she was requesting me that my son's exam is uh, 
after three months, which is very important exam. So can you extend that lifespan for me with homeopathy? So I studied her case and I found that there is a large, I mean, huge treasure regarding homeopathy treatment for cancer is in our literature, but it is not well documented. It is not well organized and there is no awareness, no strong work has been done. There has been doctors, there has been legions who have then miraculous and marvelous work regarding cancer treatment, mm. but still it is highly scattered. Mm. There is no a strong platform where you can stand and speak out. Okay, yes, I can help you confidently. Mm. And there is a lots of shortage of skill among homeopaths. Uh, as when cancer therapy is concerned, everybody we know in early that we have an answer, right? But still, uh, we are not well equipped with the data we are already having. So I was really angered because I lost these two patients. Uh, very painfully and when I could have helped them so uh, one fine day I thought I want to help this cancer patients I want to bring out the goodness homeopathy is having for cancer patients so I started a charity clinic and research foundation and as I had no technical support or no institute background so I looked up in the sky and asked God will you be my sponsor oh <laughs> And I start in my clinic itself, I kept the board one fine day that uh, prayas, I mean, it's an effort, it's a Sanskrit word, means in an earnest effort. Uh, so it was a foundation which named after prayas, Homeopathy and Cancer Research Foundation. Mm -hmm. And there was no awareness. So I started it with uh, like a charity setup. I kept a wooden box there and... A, a cancer patients can come to us, take a treatment, and whatsoever amount they want to keep, they can keep there. That way, I started the cancer clinic in my wow. own premise. But as I said, I had no technical support. I had no financial support. So I looked up, and then slowly, slowly, I started getting all the support I needed eventually. I cannot say it is a fully-fledged, fully-bloomed, uh, work but it is a work under process and slowly slowly things started unfolding themselves mm. so this way i started this cancer foundation and cancer clinic since seven years initially there were different kind of patients very few patients they had they were very skeptically but right now many doctors have joined us many people are helping us and yes many things are under pipeline so this way I entered into cancer therapy. And as I brought to you, it is my passion and mission both. Oh, I love that. Wow. It sounds like the universe definitely brought you to this point. And it's, like I said, so wonderful because it's just growing and growing. And the more answers we can give to people, the more hope and support we can give them for a better outcome for their cancer diagnosis, then, you know, that's the highest calling that we can possibly have to help these people. And like you say, it's interesting so that you say that there is mention of cancer throughout the Materia Medica, but it's not in one place. And we've got a couple of Ramakrishnan's book on cancer is obviously really great. There's a few others as well. No, I've got one here on, on tumors and things. So we have got a few books out there, but you've actually written a book called Cracking the Codes of Breast Cancer and Homeopathy, and you've got more than 75 
breast cancer remedies in this book. And I can't believe I've only just found out about this now. I can't wait to get my hands on a copy of this. But can you tell our listeners a little bit about this book? Yeah. See, what I when I started the Cancer Foundation, what I did, I read everything which was available about cancer treatment in homeopathy. Everything. For three years, I did nothing, but I uh, kept looking at the literature because I started treating cancer patients without much skill and with very unorganized and scattered resources I had in the form of therapeutic. So the biggest challenge I faced that there was no strong platform. If a cancer patient, breast cancer comes, patients comes to me. I know phytoleca is a remedy. I know asteria rubens is a remedy, but the repertory is not very well, well developed. Our materia medica is also written in very old terminology. So I needed something, a therapeutic guide, which is very strong by itself. So what I did, I wanted to make a protocol so that the doctors like me do not waste lots of time and they have a strong backup for as a guide. Mm. As, as well, our materia medica is written in very old terminology. It has no integration and advantages of the modern researches. It was lacking there. That is what I felt. So what I did, I started with breast cancer because I'm a female and I used to get more breast cancer patients. All other cancers are also in my bucket list. But I started with the breast cancer and I listed all the remedies which are there in the repertory indicated for breast cancer. Few of them were pain remedies. Then I separated them that few of them are pain remedies, few of them are constitutional Few of them were nozzles and few of them were actually cancer remedies. Our homeopathy is based on principle that what it causes, it cures. I mean, if a drug is uh, capable to produce cancer, it can cure cancer. Mm -hmm. So there were remedies which were really carcinogens or had uh, uh, strong therapeutic indications for cancer proper as a pathology. Mm -hmm. So I took much interest into those remedies. And I started studying them in depth from our materia medica sources, from provings, and what what modern medicine, what is their phytochemistry, what is their bio, molecular biology. And this way, I studied almost 75 cancer remedies. So for one remedy, I think I have gone through more than 1,000 pages. And then I integrated everything and prepared my own notes for each remedy so that when a breast cancer patient comes to me, I'm well equipped with my weapons to combat it. If I give you an example, if a breast cancer patient goes to a modern medicine practitioner, first they will differentiate if it is estrogen positive breast cancer, if it is herceptin positive breast cancer, or if, if it is a triple negative. And that way the treatment strategy would be uh, defined. Mm. Or they will uh, differentiate what kind of, if the patient requires monoclonal antibody, if a patient requires a typical adjuvant chemotherapy or a patient requires anti-estrogen drug. So we couldn't use these advantages. So I started our remedy. There is a remedy called Aristolochia clematitis. Mm. So when I studied it, I found that it has lots of estrogen and it is a proven carcinogen. So if it is a carcinogen, if it can produce cancer, it can cure cancer. 
and it will be better indicated for estrogen positive breast cancer mm, right okay. uh, there is a very less known gallium epirine mm-hmm. for breast cancer in our repertory when that's the one that's made from cleavers hey Yes, yes, yes. Yeah. So, yes, yes. So when I studied this gallium epirine, I found that it is the alkaloid of gallium epirine are precursors of chemotherapeutic drug doxyrubicin. Okay. Means there is a strong connection. And when you study the application of gallium epirine, you will find hundreds of research papers stating that gallium epirine has got very strong role in treatment of triple negative type of breast cancer. But we never included this in our materia medica. It right? makes it sense because already... I think gallium gallium is used for the lymphatics as well, and of course, there's lots of lymphatics yes, yeah. around the breast tissue area. That so, are you saying that you see what the phytochemical is in that, and then go through the medical literature and see what drugs they were using? What are the phytochemicals that they synthesize for the drugs, and that gives you an idea as to how the remedy would work in the body? Exactly, exactly. I think that's you have very cool. Last and yes, we have our indications that like it is for coffee group. So there will be lots of pain. There will be lots of sleep due to pain, mental excitement of rubiaceae family, the redness because uh, rubiaceae is called rubiaceae because it produces redness, right? So this way we can differentiate our remedies than before. So this is how I worked on all 75 remedies. Like, and I, I have found that gallium epirine is anti-cancer remedy. It is already established, not in homeopathy, in general science also. So why not to integrate this data, right? But what the problem this general science, the main uh, stream science has got, that they know that gallium epirine has anti-cancer property. They have proven it on cancer lines, right? But they don't know how to use it. Uh, how to have them in bulk because they do not have this technology called potentization. And they have many an- anti-cancer agents like gallium epirine, di- like aristolochia, asteria rubens, right? It is proven that starfish have this anti-cancer property as well. But they do not know how to finally differentiate it, how to dispense them, how to make medicines out of it. Mm. So what they do that they make synthetic alkaloid like gallium epirine but it has disadvantages and it does not have the fine tuning like we homeopaths have right and uh, because of our science of potentization we do not produce any side effects but still we can fine tune our treatment they want they know that answer of cancer therapy lies in preparation of nanoparticles Right? They know that there has to be a DNA genetic medicine. And we already have the answers. Right? So if we combine these two work together, I think we'll be better equipped when it comes to treating cancer patients. So this was my aim when I started writing this book. And this is how I have tried to present it. This is how I have done my first attempt. It was co-authored with my mentor and teacher, Dr. Sunirmal Sarkar from Kolkata. But I can tell you, for each drug, I have gone through thousands of pages. And then I used to meditate that now how this will happen, how this remedy. So I named it Tracking the Course of Breast Cancer. And when I read, 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 and then I meditated, 
one moment the remedy used to speak to me that this is mm-hmm. how we we work I love that. I've actually had a few homeopaths on the show tell me that they meditate on a remedy. Actually, we had Peter Tamanello on about the crystals and he had these flashes of inspiration, but it is just energy medicine. And these remedies do talk to us if we listen to them and plants will talk to us as well. And anything in nature, it's all just energy. And if we connect with that energy, you do get insights that you wouldn't otherwise with your logical mind. So that's amazing. I really love the approach that you've taken. And I really love that. Yeah, it it makes a lot of sense. I'm really excited for the possibilities of this. I have a question for you, though. Do you tend to prescribe like something like gallium, for example? Would you do that in a low potency, like a 6X or something and give that regular? Or do you tend to use higher potencies or do you just take it case by case? It varies up in case by case, Mm -hmm. but most of the time cancer patients have lowered vitality, lots of drugging. Mm. Right. So I prefer LM potency the most or the liquid potency Mm. so that I can repeat it frequently and still it will be very gentle on the system and fast acting. Mm. Okay. And how many homeopaths do you have at your clinic or how does your, how does your clinic work? Can people just drop in? Do they need to make an appointment? So how does the clinic itself work? I have uh, uh, two assistants and two pharmacists at my clinic. And a few of students who regularly regularly come to us to visit. This is what it comprises of staff. And we have appointment, online appointment, as well as drop-in patients. Mm-hmm. It's a mixed because we see all kind of uh, patients for cancer, like from lower economic class to the uh, uh, online appointments from faraway countries. So it's a mix. So it is organized and it is spontaneous both ways. Well, that is my was my next question for you because in I've actually sadly just this week had two emails of clients who have cancer and I uh, it's an area that I kind of stay a little bit away from myself. I tend I I treat women and children and you know behavioral disorders as my sort of focus and uh, hormonal uh, balancing for women, especially after they've just given birth and their hormones are out of whack or their cycles are out of whack. But the when clients have cancer, I kind of have walked circles around that. I've treated a little, little bit in the past. Like obviously, we are not allowed to treat cancer in Australia, but we can uh, treat the client and strengthen their vital force, which obviously, you know, their cancer symptoms will diminish. But I have kind of been referring to homeopaths who I know are experts in the field. So I've sent people to Dr. Farouk Master and a few other homeopaths that I know have lots of experience in this. So I'm so glad to be in contact with you now, and I'm glad that you take people on online so I know that I can refer people to you and they could just see you for a consultation online and we can easily access the remedies here which is great I've got another little client of mine who has had severe issues with her heart she's only uh, I think she's about two years old now and Dr. Adil Chimtanawala we've had on the podcast who's a cardiac expert and it was wonderful because he's even though my client's here in Perth he's been treating her online he's in India and then she just tells me what remedies the mum needs for her baby and I provide the remedies. So it's been wonderful. So you're saying that you're happy to take on new clients around the world. Yeah. It's wonderful. Yeah. I mean, that's one thing where Zoom has been so great or online or Skype, whatever you use has been so wonderful to connect people worldwide and be access, be able to access those expertise that you might not necessarily have in your own country. So very excited to to be in touch with you. It's wonderful. And you say you've treated over 2,000 cancer patients so far with homeopathy. Can you maybe tell us uh, about some cases or 
how long the appointments are, what sort of questions you ask or what people can expect if they come and see you for an appointment? See, when we started our foundation, the only lot of patients we got were, of, were for palliation. The mm. doctors have said that we cannot help you. There is no hope. And still family wanted to offer a help or find a way to soothe the suffering. Mm. So mm. this patients initially started coming to us for palliation. Mm. They can pass their last stage peacefully and mm. painlessly. Mm. So these were the patients I got for initial two years. And then the relatives realized after adding homeopathy to the treatment, though the, they lost their relatives, there was a genuine difference. There was a palpable difference was made when they started homeopathy, right? The medicines and the work, the efficacy of our, of our science spoke by itself. Mm. So this way I started getting more patients of all stages. Like people started coming to us, us to get rid of the radiation uh, mm. or get side effects of radiation, side effect of chemotherapy. They started coming to us to prevent the recurrence because they started trusting the word of it. It spread with the word of mouth because I was not very technically connected. And the patients which came to us initially were of very low, lower socioeconomic class, right? But this spread the word of mouth that, yeah, this treatment is making a difference. Mm. So then uh, we have started getting patients. And after seven years, the achievement we have received so far that I can say with surety is the prevention of relapse because I have been keeping a close watch. And patients tell us that we are taking the homeopathy treatment after we got treated with chemotherapy, radiation and mm. surgery. And since five to seven years, we are under homeopathy treatment and we are happy that we are cancer free. But we are sad to inform that the patients who were taking treatment with us, but were not taking treatment of homeopathy, many of them are no more. Mm. Right? So it is a very sad thing, but mm. as well a positive thing that homeopathy has certainly kept increased the period of remission Mm. Uh, prolonged period of remission and after uh, since last one to two years we are getting virgin cancer cases as well the people who are not willing to go for this harsh treatment like surgery chemotherapy mm -hmm. and i would say that yeah we have a very promising role to offer to them as well mm -hmm. we are uh, seeing uh, very good cases i mean very good results even in virgin cancer patients that it recedes it gets Cured. Still, the percentage is not very high. I would say it is 25 to 30 percent success ratio when it comes to treat pure cancer patients without any aid of treatment. Mm -hmm. But yeah, uh, this is not less. Mm -hmm. we, we see failures. We see patients dying mm -hmm. to be in cancer therapy. I mean, every day you realize that you are helpless. You couldn't help better. You could have been better. Mm -hmm. So it is a challenge and pain both as well but we see success so it keeps me going on mm. yeah there is a hope there is a ray of light that we can certainly make a difference yeah i often Did think I understood you... your question well and 
answered it properly? Or Yes, no, and I often think that if you're specializing in something like cancer, that it must be pretty hard on you as a practitioner as well, dealing with those sorts of cases where you know not all of them are going to survive. Like with me treating behavioral disorders, at least I know the kitties might not you might get in trouble at school or at home or whatever, but at least they're going to live. <laughs> but with what you're doing, it must be very hard as a practitioner dealing with that because you're literally working with people's lives. And like you say, it's wonderful when you get the successes, but how do you as a practitioner keep going? Because I'm sure they can get you a little bit down sometimes. Yeah, it's a daily story of pain and losing, mm. right? Because you kind of get emotionally attached to your patients. Mm. They come to you with the hope that you will make a difference. Mm. Their relatives come to you with a great hope that you Mm. will make a difference. You Mm. will keep them alive. Mm. But so many times you are helpless. Mm. So many times because sometimes they are very late to approach you. Sometimes your technical expertise Mm. uh, is not sufficient. Mm. Right? Because we grow. We are not Mm. yet the master. I'm not yet the master, but I grow. I'm learning. I'm into my learning process. And the science itself is into the learning process. Absolutely. Sometimes you know that these therapies are going to harm them, but still they go for mm. a very harsh therapy. So, and then it's... you see them suffering more. Then they you see them being more into pain. It's very hard because they have to make their own health decisions. And, you know, we have, we can only, we can, you can only uh, lead a horse to water. You can't force it to drink. So you can only give them those options. And at the end of the day, it's their life and their choice. And if they decide to do things that you know is not going to be good for their health, if they decide to go for, you know, like you said, the harsh therapies, um, you know, they kind of have to learn that lesson sometime. And unfortunately, people do. Un- often leave the homeopathic route as a last resort. So they've already had all the poisonings from, you know, the the pharmaceutical medication. They are already, you know, in stage and then they come to us as a last resort. So any so any tiny little bit of success you can get from that is actually miraculous. <laughs> and it keeps me going. Otherwise it is as you said, it is very disappointing. You lose patients, you lose you see them suffer. Mm, right you happen to disappoint them Mm, mm. you happen to disappoint them right their relatives but the the change we make is so miraculous so rewarding worth it Mm. the suffering is uh, yeah yeah um Shruti, have you got any um, any final messages that you want to give our audience? And can you also tell people where they can purchase your book? Because I want to know for myself as well, but also I'm sure our listeners want to know where they can get a copy of your book. I think it, uh, the message I would like to give is uh, that uh, be open to the natural science. It has There are many doctors and scientists working for you behind the curtain. They are still not under the limelight. But they have heart, wish, and capacity mm. to offer to make a difference. So be open and do not be judgmental because we face judgment. I'm mm. sorry to say, as a homeopath, right? So we have a wonderful remedies to help at all stages of cancer and other diseases as well. But I'm going to speak about cancer because I mainly deal with it. And my book is published by Beijing Publishers of India. And you can contact them online or their 
stores they are having a deal with out of India, mm-hmm. or you can write an email to me as well, so I can also send a book. If Bijan is not uh, available, I can my office can post it for you. Oh, amazing! And uh, do you want to give us your email now, or shall I just put it in the show notes for people to find? Yeah, yeah, it is uh, uh, Dr. Uh, Dr. Shruti Shah twenty seven at gmail dot com. Excellent. So people can email you directly as well if they want to purchase a copy. Yes, yes. Okay. And uh, I think I mentioned you about my website also, right? Yes. So there also they can contact for appointment or purchasing of my book. Wonderful. So Dr. Shruti Shah dot com. So D R S H R U T I S H A H dot com. Yeah, yeah. Wonderful. Thank you so much for sharing this with us, Shruti. And I'm very excited for the possibilities and, you know, homeopaths that are going to be seeing more and more and more cancer in our clinics. And your book is going to be a wonderful addition to our practices. So thank you very much for your time today. Uh, Thank you. And my greetings to your listeners. It was equally a pleasure for me to where I got a platform where I can pour my heart. Thank you. Oh, it's a pleasure. Thank you, Shruti. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.